Hello, and welcome to The Other Six Podcast, where we talk about life, scripture, and what it looks like to follow Jesus, not just on Sundays, but on the other six days of the week. Hello and welcome to The Other Six Podcast, the show that explores how to live out your faith in an everyday life, all seven days of the week. I'm your host, Preston. Joining me today are Patrick Andrews. Hello. And Tim Stewart. Good morning. On today's episode, we're going to be diving into the timeless wisdom found in Psalm 51 and how it can be applied to our lives today. But before we get into that, let's start off with a conversation on a more modern topic, artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence. Uh, Before we get too far, I want to pause. (laughs) That introduction was pretty much like I always do it. Mm -hmm. Pretty similar. I didn't write it. Yep. Um, I was reading off of an AI generated script that I asked to give me an introduction to the podcast that we're talking about today. And that's what it came up with. Yeah. Pretty mm. impressive. Um, so I guess our question of the day is what are your thoughts on artificial intelligence? Um, do we need to start getting into our bunkers? Um, <laughs> is it going to pass and is it a good thing or is it a bad thing? Well, that second question, is it going to pass? I don't think it's going away anytime soon. I don't think so. There's, I mean, it's integrated into so many different things now. Like even like your Google searches and and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, your assistant on your phone, Siri, and your Google assistant and uh, whatever the Windows phones has, Cora yeah. on your computers. Like it's it's there and it's live. It's not going away. The the thing that's kind of scary to me, artificial intelligence has been around for a while. I mean, like um, the the whole thing with the Pixel phones in the last few years. Like they've been touting their our new chip has AI built into it and. You know, every everyone wants to throw around the word AI like, mm-hmm. you know, hotcakes or something. But really, in the last couple of months, it has exploded. Mm-hmm. Like, Chat, Chat GPT came out, and then immediately, being um, like their chat thing came out. Google announced that they're working on a chat thing. Canva came out with a uh, AI writing thing. Canva's a uh, like a Photo editing, yeah, or, you know, it's a website yeah. that you you can you can do work collaboration stuff on it, but a lot of it's like photo editing and making social media content. There's an AI in there that can write stuff for you. Yep. Um, uh, they've just built it into all kinds of different things, and um, it's kind of scary at the pace. And there are some stories, there's some horror stories out there of uh, people who have had interesting conversations with. Um, <laughs> artificial intelligence but tim i want to know your thoughts on ai (laughs) i don't know that you do i do i really do i think everyone does um i i honestly don't have a whole lot of thought on it i mean i have been listening to the different news and i I don't want to get wrapped up in the hype and all the hyperbole and stuff of that nature world war three going to start now um, I go back to the movie that will smith did in 2004 the irobot yeah yeah. and when Terry and I were watching that. I'm thinking, okay, this this could be make for an interest, interesting interesting life. Mm-hmm. But uh, honestly, I don't know. I really don't know. I don't want some some artificial intelligence running my life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of scares me because nobody really knows where this is going to go. 
it's interesting you brought up iRobot because the Google version, which is not fully available yet, there's a beta access, and, and I actually have access to the beta one, but um, the guy who developed Google Bard is what it's now called. He quit his job because when he was designing this AI, uh, he started having conversations with it that were too real for him mm. um, to the point where he he's like, this AI is having emotions that I didn't program the AI to have and that scares me and so he quit mm. <laughs> wow. and then and then chat GPT came out and Google's like oh we need to have a, a competitor oh let's just dig this file out <laughs> and <laughs> ship well, that <laughs> aren't, I mean we we all know that these this new technology the information is being put into these programming by people for the most part and i guess uh, if anything scares me it would be who's putting the information in for them to come come up with the outcome yeah because that's going to influence so many people that could be completely false yeah mm. well and, and that's i think if there's one major conversation that needs to be happening about ai is that um, because no matter what you're going to have bias in the programming because this is a program you're creating to effectively think for itself mm -hmm. but but humans get to determine how it thinks and so which humans are are doing that and what values are that those humans giving that thing um i know that there is uh th there was a a twitch channel that was using ai to write a never-ending seinfeld episode have you did you hear no, about I that one i haven't seen that it took it off because at one point it, it really just goes in, it dives into all the Seinfeld scripts and the internet and tries to create modern topics and was creating Seinfeld episodes that you can watch 24 seven that just never ended. It was just Seinfeld. Um, but it started getting into um, a lot of kind of hate speech kind of things. And like the jokes that it thought was funny were jokes that you shouldn't think are funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was really just diving into that. And so eventually they had to, you know, obviously take it offline and say, we should probably check this script and this um, intelligence learning machine and we should try to figure out what's going on with it. Uh, but again, that's people going in and saying, mm -hmm. oh, well, that thing that you said was bad, so I'm going to make sure you don't say that again. But who's to determine what things are being taken out, what things are okay? Um, and then the big fear, I think, is this kind of information is going to be used. It's, it's transforming the way we search Google and mm -hmm. the internet, you know? Right now, you just get on Google and you type in, you know, how do I make pot roast? Uh, which that one, you know, probably not going to run into any danger there. But AI is going to start answering our questions for us in the way that it thinks that it should be answered. And all of that depends on on the source that it's coming from, the, the person who wrote the script and the people who wrote the script. And so uh, I think it's a big conversation. Yeah. Um, but I think it's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's impressive. Yeah. Um, how well put together some of these are already, even mm -hmm. after only been out a couple months. Um, here's an example of, of one thing that's cool about it. We did our, our March Madness brackets. I think I, I was, told you this. I was going to bring this up in the, in the aspect of the ethics of using it. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. So the, the big reveals, our staff, uh, we all did a March Madness bracket uh, between the, the March Madness basketball teams last month to try and decide who uh, the winner was going to get a free meal on mm -hmm. Monday mornings during our staff meetings for a month. So just one other person would buy them a staff. So not huge stakes. Right. Um, my method for determining which team I thought was going to win the bracket 
was I asked AI. Mm -hmm. um, I went through every possible game, and I said, you know, hypothetically, in round three of the March Madness bracket, if Alabama uh, plays against FAU, who would win that game? And whatever it said, I chose that option. So I used Bing, mm -hmm. um, Bing's chat uh, AI, to create my entire bracket, and I won the March Madness bracket. <laughs> <laughs> Handsomely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I won it by the Elite Eight, I think. Yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah. Um, which, to be fair, I mean, March Madness, anything can happen. So that's, that's really true. not a compliment to the, the right, thing. Yeah. But, I mean, it does bring up an interesting ethical question, I guess. Um, <laughs> Tim, you still owe me my chicken sandwich. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> you mean AI? <laughs> um, but it's impressive. Like, it, it can is. do this kind of stuff. And... It's, I think it's exciting to see where it's going to go in the mm -hmm. next, if it's come this far. I mean, obviously these things have been in development for a long time, but really it, it took up. off about this year. Yeah. And it's exciting to see how far it can go in mm -hmm. just another year. And I hope that we don't look back at this time and say, oh, no, yeah. we went too fast. Mm -hmm. um, that's a fear, but I hope that we don't. Mm -hmm. Um. Anyways, continuing on with uh, this introduction that, um, <laughs> that it wrote out. That uh, it wrote out. It uh, says, um, What do we do next, AI? Let, well, let's start today's episode. Uh, let's take a moment to reflect on our theme for today's show, Psalm 51, which reminds us that while technology may advance, the human condition remains the same. Good words from ChatGPT. Uh, before we dive into that conversation, let's hear a little bit about our mission for the week. Every episode of the Other Six Podcasts, we want to take a moment to highlight one of the missions that we support here as a church at North Liberty Church of Christ, and today we're talking about Hope Ministries. Hope Ministries is located in South Bend, Indiana. Hope's vision is to create a community in which hurting people find healing. Hope provides emergency and transitional housing for 18 families with children, 35 single men, and 18 single women. Residents are offered three meals a day. And through on-site services, Hope helps the residents obtain health care through local agencies. Hope teaches healing through God's grace, transforming through actively seeking God, and thriving through fully living in Christ. If you want to find out more about Hope Ministries or the other ministries that we support here as a church, you can go to our website, northliberty.cc slash missions. Okay, let's dive into our conversation today on Psalm 51. Mm -hmm. Uh, this is in the Bible is described as a psalm of repentance. And so before we talk about the actual context of the psalm, uh, first, you might um, take a second, pause this podcast and go find it on your Bible app or your Bible and just read through this psalm. So you have a little bit of context of what we're talking about. Um, I think it's a little bit longer, so I don't know if we yeah, want to read, read through. the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but you should up. just pause it. Go ahead and read through that on your own uh, once or twice. Um, and then when you're done, come back. Hey, welcome back. Um, you probably didn't leave. I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah, um, most I, I never do on podcasts when they tell me to go do yeah, something. Yeah, but yeah. we're just going to pretend like you did. To Good make job. Us feel better. Great yeah. job wow. reading. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, let's let's talk about Psalm fifty one. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the context. Why did David write this psalm? Tim, do you want to fill us in on that? Yeah, uh, David uh, wrote this psalm because of uh, what was going on, what happened in his life with uh, Bathsheba um, when he was in his palace overlooking you know, the, the area and saw her on her housetop and uh, started lusting for her and he acted upon that lust and uh, ended up uh, scheming against uh, her husband, Uriah, kept sending him to the uh, battlefront, hoping he would be killed, uh, which never happened uh, for quite some time. And then she's pregnant and, you know, he didn't, 
Uriah was more of a, a man of God in that moment than David was. Mm-hmm. And, and so uh, after he was uh, killed, then and Bathsheba mourned you know, the death of her husband. David took her in as his wife. And so because of his adulterous relationship with her, you know, that uh, God was working on him. And, I mean, if you go back to the, the, the Samuel, there's basically a period of time before Nathan showed up and, you know, confronted him on this. So the Spirit of God had an opportunity to work on David's conscience. Mm-hmm. And, and David writes a psalm about how awful he felt about what he did. One thing I liked about one of the messages you preached recently, you, you were talking about this encounter with David and Bathsheba, he said in all the New Testament, every time that David is mentioned, I don't remember if you said how many times that is, but it's a lot uh, that David is mentioned in the New Testament, but never is this encounter, this uh, sin with David and Bathsheba mentioned in the New Testament. I found that to be really interesting and also um, really significant in the terms of um, really Psalm 51, we're seeing David repent from his sin and then it's done. Um it's gone. That repentance is done. He's, he's, he's forgiven. And even the New Testament writers don't look back at this part of David and say that's a defining characteristic of who David is. Mm-hmm. Um, he's remembered as the greatest king of Israel, mm-hmm. and that's his defining characteristic, a man after God's own heart. You read through the story, and you're like, this is not a man after God's own heart. This is a, he's a bully. He's a, you, know, you could give a lot of different uh, adjectives. He's got a lot of blood on his hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but that's not how he's remembered, right? Um, because I think he experiences repentance here. Um, so he he sinned against. Uh, l- let me back up. He he saw Bathsheba, and he sought after her, um, and uh, and then he he got Uriah involved, <laughs> Bathsheba's husband, uh, and tried tried to just lie his way <laughs> into getting off the hook there. Um, that didn't work because Uriah was wanted to stay on, on the front lines. And so then David goes, oh, I know. Let's put him on the front lines and have him killed. And so then uh, in order to cover up David's um, actions, he, he had Uriah killed on the front lines. Um, and, and so that you know that's not good either. Who do you think David really sinned against in uh, this, this encounter? Well, from a physical perspective you would think Uriah mm-hmm. and Bathsheba but David says against you yes yeah. and only mm-hmm. I, I've always found that verse really interesting in this context because David sinned against a lot of people <laughs> Bathsheba Uriah I'm assuming uh it wasn't the uh his army's original plan to put Uriah on the front lines right yeah so I'm, I'm assuming maybe there's some fallout from there I don't know we could guess um but it it was, he put his army in jeopardy over this. Yeah, yeah. He he put not just Uriah, but other soldiers in jeopardy because he was trying to cover up a mistake that he made. Uh, and then he comes in, in this and he says, God, the only person I've sinned against is you. And we read that and we're like, well, no, David. <laughs> uh, no, that's not how it works. Um, why do you think he says that? I think he said it because he, he understood that God was one who created him. God was the one who brought, got him life, gave him life, and God was also the one who anointed him be, to become the next king of Israel. And, and so that's, I think that's how he's looking at this, that I'm where I'm at because of my heavenly father. Yeah. And no other man has placed me here, God did. And because of that and what I've done, I've sinned against the very uh, God who, who placed me where I'm at today. Yeah. And I think that's what he was apologizing for 
and the cool thing is, like you were talking about, the New Testament doesn't talk about this. And, and there in verse 7, I love the, the, the term that one of the commentaries uh, basically says that he, he's basically asking God to unsend me. Mm-hmm. Mm. Just remove the sin. You know, I, I'm sorry for what I did, and yet, and we find out that's what God does. Yeah. And if God's able to do that for David, he's able to do it for us too. Unsend me is kind of a... It's a word for repentance, right? Mm-hmm. Um, asking for God to unsend me is a word for repentance. So that's really what we're talking about in Psalm 51 is this is a psalm of repentance. Um, so let's start there. What What is repentance? I think it's simply put to turn around from your ways and, and seek God. Um, like we talked about in our men's class, Samson, um, a little bit different from what we're talking here in David, but Samson um, had to walk, I think, in, in this class, we decided it was like 20,000 steps to get to where he was to then go find this prostitute. And any of those steps he, he took, he could have turned around every single step. So it's, it's just the act of realizing you're going the wrong way and turning around back to God. That's kind of, that's kind of a cool um, imagery there. Mm-hmm. How many steps are we taking? Every, every step is an opportunity to turn around. Yeah. Um, that's really what repentance is, and and that's the you know that's when you go to Sunday school. That's the image that always comes to your mind. You're walking one way on the street, mm-hmm. and then you turn around and you come the other way. That's what repentance is. Um, Mark Christian, one of my my senior pastors when I was younger, he described repentance as not a a one time thing that happens. Mm-hmm. You don't just repent once and you're good, right? right? Like we see this encounter with David. Like this is a this is a big one moment repentance, which that's necessary, mm-hmm. but it's actually an everyday. Um, thing like if you're walking a straight line, eventually you might get a couple degrees off to the left or a couple degrees to the right. And repentance doesn't always mean turning 180 and walking the opposite direction. It means fixing your alignment and getting back on that straight line um, constantly. You do that a hundred times a day, or you know whatever that looks like, so that you're constantly trying to walk in line in the path of of the Bible and in the path of God. Um, and you're never really allowing the goal, I guess, would be to never really allow yourself to go in the opposite direction, right. even though we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we do, we turn around and, and we correct ourselves. Um, so let's look at a couple of verses in Psalm 51 that really stand out to us. Yeah, I really like um, verses 10 through 13. Um, he talks about to create in me a pure heart, O God, um, and renew my steadfast spirit. And... And then it goes on to in 13 where it says, then I will teach trans, uh, transgressors your ways and the sinners will turn to you. And this little section here, I really think it's, um, it's just key that he's, he's asking for to cleanse himself and to restore that joy uh, that, that God gives him and that he can then be an example to others. Mm-hmm. Um, that just because you sinned and you fell away, you turned back and you... You have that relationship with God that other people can physically see that tangible takeaway and that they can see, well, well, that's that's different. Like, that's not like him. Why did he turn? Um, and then he can be an example of what God can do in your life. I think it's an example of you're not just you're not just turning away from one thing. You're turning towards something else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So David's not just turning away from sin and away from his guilt. He's turning toward uh, God and toward his mission of of reaching rebellious people, to, you yeah. know, for God. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's 
uh, I think that's key there is yeah. not just what you're turning away from, but what you're turning toward. To, yeah. You can turn away from bad things to, uh, <laughs> you know, if you Maybe. think about a sphere, if you think about like your environment around you, there's 360 degrees, which means there's 360 or 59 wrong ones. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and there's yeah. only one right one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what are you, where, which degree are you landing on? Yeah. Um, where are you turning mm-hmm. to? I, I find it. In, I mean, I love the whole chapter mm-hmm. uh, or song because basically David is, he's actually putting things into word. What a lot of us feel after we've committed sin, if we are truly repentant. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but the first few verses here where he says, uh, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. Um, the, the first part of that, David's kind of, he's worshiping God there, but at the same time, it's like, oh, I probably should re- remind God of how awesome he is. <laughs> you know, and then <laughs> yeah. this way, mm-hmm. when, when, he does, when he does think about forgiving me, uh, it, it'll make it a little easier for him to do that because mm-hmm. I know how awesome he is. Or maybe he's reminding himself how oh, awesome absolutely. God is. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, if you look at there at verse uh, 3, uh, and this is one that always hits home with me, uh, <clears throat> for I know my transgression and my sin is always before me. We all know that when we've committed a sin, throughout the day, there's going to be reminders of what you did. Even mm-hmm. if it was a year ago, 10 years ago, there's always something that reminds you of what you did. Mm-hmm. And David has got this in front of him all day long, his new wife. Mm-hmm. And, and the fact that he, he schemed and ended up having you know, Uriah killed and that whole uh, ordeal that he uh, instigated here. Um, but I just, I just I love it uh, from the perspective that our sin is always before us, and God is so gracious that he is willing to and will forgive us when we approach him like David did here. David feels a lot of guilt in this verse, or this this uh, poem, the psalm. Um, and so let's talk about, let's talk about that feeling of guilt. Um, is guilt a, a good thing, a bad thing? Should we experience guilt? What does the Bible say about guilt? I don't, I don't think guilt in itself is a bad thing. Kind of like we've talked in the past about anger isn't a bad thing. It's an emotion that God has given us. Guilt isn't a bad thing. It, it, it's kind of a reminder for us to know when we're turning away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think a lot of that depends on what you do with it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. If you feel guilt, then you, and you act on it, you seek repentance and forgiveness and you take action to resolve your guilt mm-hmm. And I think that's an appropriate, that's why God gave us that emotion, that feeling, right? Uh, if you experience guilt and then you stuff it down and pretend like you didn't feel it and mm-hmm. it's fine, I, I don't think that's what God had right. in mind, right? Yeah. Um, guilt, I think in this context, a lot of it comes down to conviction too. I mean, I think a lot of that's the Holy Spirit, you know, like you said, reminding us every day, uh, throughout the day, reminding us 10 years later, reminding David every time he sees Bathsheba, um, hey, you messed up. Uh, you need to make this right. Um, and I, I don't think it's it's uh, it's necessarily a, a reminder or to keep us remembering our failures. Mm-hmm. It, I think it's a, it's a, re, a thing to help us remember God's grace. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. You know, my, I oh my gosh, I did this, but man, my God is so awesome. He's he's thrown that in the depths of the sea. And I think there's a huge distinction there because I was talking a little bit before we started recording, but I think we need to make sure there's a huge difference between feeling guilt and feeling shame. 
Um, guilt, I think, is an emotion that God has given us. You guys can, I, I want some con- some conversation around this. But guilt, I think, is something that God has given us to to help encourage us to repent and to turn and to be wise. Shame, I don't think God wants us to feel shame. I, I, that's not an emotion that I believe God desires for any human to feel shame. Um, there was no shame in the garden. And then when the Adam and Eve sinned, it says they felt shame. Uh, that was the first emotion. The first negative emotion that mm-hmm. humans had was to feel shame uh, for what they had done. And, um, and I think throughout Scripture, you know, we see you are not condemned. Um, repeated throughout the it's common thread throughout Romans and throughout Scripture. You, you, there's no condemnation in you through Christ, um, which, you know, that's another way of saying you're not found guilty, I guess. Um, but I, I think that it's important for us to just be constantly reminded that I have done wrong, but I am clean um, through my forgiveness. I have sinned, but I am set free. I have sinned, but I am not guilty. Um, and I don't think God desires for us to live in that mm-hmm. um, that shame, that guilt, that uh, space of I, I, I'm never going to be set free. I have to hold on to this for my entire life. Because that's why Jesus died, was so that we don't, right? Well, Paul, Paul talked about that. Forget about what lies behind focused on Christ, what's happening today and what's going to happen tomorrow. And we can learn from the past. And I think that's what David did throughout his whole life. Um, but at the same time, we've got, we can't live in the shame of that. Yes, we were guilty, but because of the grace of God, we're found innocent you know, uh, through the blood of Christ. So learn from it, not live in it. That's what you just said, right? Yep. I like that. Um, when we're experiencing guilt and shame, let's learn from it, not live in it. Yeah, and, and verses 14 through kind of um, 14 through 17 here, it even says, like, save me from this blood guilt. It's not something that he wants to live with. He, it's something that he wants to be saved from. And then after that, it says then, oh, God, I will sing of your righteousness. It's going to lead to worship and, and to joy and of, of remembering that salvation that God gives us. Um, through that guilt, we're going we're gonna to be delivered from it. Um, and that's what Jesus did on the cross. And, and, and David even stating here that you, you do not delight in sacrifice. You brought this up earlier, but you take pleasure. Uh, you want an offering of a contrite heart. Yeah. We, we don't want, God doesn't want the blood sacrifices anymore. He, he wants your heart. Yeah. And when you can give him that, you, you've, for the most part, you've got it made. Yeah. I, I really like that uh, this isn't the only time in Scripture where we see God not interested in just acts of righteousness for the sake of doing an act of, you know, I talked about in a message a few weeks ago, Isaiah one and God, he just says, stop worshiping. I don't want your worship. It's gross to me. It stinks. Uh, your voices uh, don't, they don't have a good tune. <laughs> um, you pray and I'm not listening um, because they were worshiping, but not, not taking that away. From, they were, they weren't living mm-hmm. godly lives and they were not, uh, they, they were not righteous people, right? And so God says, if you're not going to live in the way that I've commanded you to live, then don't show up at worship and pretend like everything's okay. See, that's mm-hmm. tough to hear. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Especially in our culture, mm-hmm. or it churches is. today in America. Um, mm-hmm. But, it, you know, David says the same thing here. He's like, hey, I, God, I know that my burnt offerings, they don't smell good to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my worship is not pleasing to you. I know what you really want, and you want me. You want my heart. You don't want... You don't want the smell of a burning cow. You want my heart. Um, and and I think it's a, 
a lot of times we look at the Old Testament and say, well, the, the payment for sin in the Old Testament is to sacrifice an animal, which is true. That was Old Testament law. But at the end of the day, that's not really what God ever had in mind. Um, he wanted repentance. He wanted pure hearts. He wanted the person to seek after God. And I think the act of sacrifices and the acts of worship and righteous acts was a, a designed to remind us of of our sins and make it have us take action to get that forgiveness. But it was never about the actual animal mm. um, being sacrificed necessarily. Um, it was about, it was about the heart. Um, that's what God really wants from us. And, and I think that's key. It, it's the same as today as it is, as it was in David's time, however many thousands of years ago that um, you can't earn your salvation. Mm. You can't earn it with sacrifices. You can't earn it with doing good works. The only way to salvation is through, repentance and through a, a heart, a righteous heart that seeks after God. Um, that's where salvation happens. And it's through the death of Jesus Christ that it happens and nothing more, nothing less um, than that. And so I think that's a cool reminder that it, it's not just post Jesus. It's, mm-hmm. it's even back in David's time. It's about the heart, not mm-hmm. the action. So I want to bring up this point that we've already kind of danced around it and talked about it, how it's, it's not just the act of repentance that, you know, is, is changed. It's your heart. It's a change of your heart. And in verse 12 here, he says, Restore in me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Um, so we don't just go and repent and then we're like, oh, we're good. And I don't have to do anything anymore. But to actually restore in me that joy of your salvation, we just celebrated Easter 11 days ago. And we had a huge celebration, worship and um you know, people here worshiping with us as a group. And, but how many, how many of us are already 11 days later? That's in our past. We're not, we're not living that joy of salvation anymore. We did that Sunday morning, maybe a couple days after that, a little bit of a spiritual high, but are we really living in a restored salvation joy in our hearts? Um, from there on, it's just kind of a challenge. Yeah, that is a challenge. And I think, I think that's really the kind of the point of communion why we t- why we take communion mm-hmm. every week is is one it's a reminder of sin mm-hmm. um but it's also a reminder of joy yeah. that 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 God has paid that sacrifice for our sin and so we can be in that joy and and I think that joy is supposed to be an emotion that we experience every time we take communion mm-hmm. um and I don't know if I don't know how widespread that a lot of times we see communion as a somber um reflection and it is mm-hmm. but I think it's partnered with, with celebration, celebration yeah. and joy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't know if we should ever be sad when we remember Jesus, <laughs> right. you know? Yeah. Do mm-hmm. this in remembrance of me, and then, you know, that, that should cause us to, to be reminded not just of the sacrifice he made, but what the sacrifice meant. Mm-hmm. And that's really what, you know, Easter, the resurrection, is proving that his sacrifice was worth what um, was worth something, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we live in that joy, and um, man... Joy is an emotion that is characteristic of a Christian. Um, it's really, I believe, my faith believes that joy is uh, reserved for the Christian, right? I think it's a gift from God. And anyone who doesn't have the Holy Spirit, I don't know if joy is really, happiness, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's um, a difference between yeah. the two. Yeah, Excitement, yeah, yes. Yeah. But I don't know if joy is an emotion that's available to the non-Christian, Right. And so for those who, ha- who do have Jesus, those who are following Jesus, are we really experiencing that joy that, that 
is a gift from uh, uh, from God for us. Do we do we actually experience that every day? Um, and and I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I, I don't know where anybody who's listening to this yeah. is. I don't know where you guys mm-hmm. are. Some days I don't know where I am, right? <laughs> um, it's a challenge for me to find joy every day because that's a gift that God has given me. Yeah. And why would I not seek it? Um, why would I not seek joy in every opportunity I can? And I like that. And a lot of that comes through what we're talking about this Psalm 51, repentance. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to experience joy when you're experiencing guilt and shame, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we repent. We, we ask God to take that way, to wipe us uh, clean what David says, scrub away my guilt, right? Mm-hmm. Scrub it. Some of us, it's going to take some more scrubbing than others, mm-hmm. right? Scrub away that guilt and let me experience that joy. Let me renew that joy in me. Um, and I think that's really the takeaway from Psalm 51. Yeah. If we're looking at what are our action steps every day, right? That's the whole point right. of this podcast, yep. living in everyday faith. I think one, it means repenting every day. Mm-hmm. Because we sin every day. Mm-hmm. We just do. Um, and uh, we can try and we can try and we do try. But at the end of the day, we can probably go through and say, well, no, I, I did a little lie there. No, I had a really bad thought about that person here. Um, I, 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 you know, I experienced, I, I watched, or I listened to that thing and I thought it was funny, even though I don't think God really found that as funny as I did. Mm. Uh, you know, we, we look through all those different sins that we have every day and, um, and we realign. We turn around. We realign ourselves back onto the path of God. That's an everyday step, yep. part of living a faith mm-hmm. every day. And the second is we're not just turning away from sin. We're turning toward the joy of Jesus Christ, living in that celebration, living in that um, that joy experience. We talk about experiencing God at this mm-hmm. church, right? The experience of God every day in our lives. Um, that's what repentance is about, turning away from our sin and turning towards the joy and experience of God. Mm-hmm. Well, as as David demonstrated here in his chapter, uh, the song, uh, his worship of God was a continuous thing. You, you talked about, you know, we're, we're a number of days past Easter. Uh, worshiping God is not just on a Sunday morning right. for an hour. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a daily thing. And then when we are worshiping God, all this other stuff that we've been talking about falls right into right in line with mm-hmm. Everything David talked about, what the scriptures talk about, why Jesus went to the cross. Mm-hmm. It's an everyday worship. It's not even an every day. It's an every second. Every right? second. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's Colossians 3.17. In everything you do, word, deed, no matter what, everything you do, do it all as worship uh, for the glory of God. Every single thing that you do is worship. Every um, day that we have to live is a gift from God. Mm-hmm. And then that, we praise him for that. Yeah. We should anyway. But we don't. We wake up, uh, yeah, I got to go to work. And that's all we think about. Instead of thinking about what God has done for me the day before, this particular day, you know, tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And, and again, I think that's where David found himself once he recognized the graciousness of who his God really was. That, wow, you know, he is an awesome God. Mm-hmm. Um, he does provide mercy and uh, forgiveness and he takes away my iniquity and washes me as white as snow. Mm-hmm. It's, it's interesting, though, here in, in that verse that you were talking about a minute ago. Um, oh, no. The... Uh, the joy of spilling coffee. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry, Tim. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> I will rejoice in the Lord always. <laughs> I need to repent. Um, where he talks no, about... Your Watch your Bible. Um, he talks about your salvation. He's talking about God's salvation. God offers... I mean, he's talking about this in the Old Testament. And our salvation, you know, God's salvation is Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I just think the foreshadow of 
everything talked about in the Old Testament points right to Jesus. I just think it's, it's unbelievable mm-hmm. uh, how God has just planned us all this out, and, and we have access to all this. Mm-hmm. Tim, I'm so impressed that, <laughs> first of all, you're so smart. Second of all, you said that while coffee, hot coffee was <laughs> dripping on your lap, and you never even lost your train of thought. <laughs> I did. I didn't hear anything you just said. I'll listen back to it. The good thing is we can listen back to it. And the whole reason why that happened, by the way, is because I knew that our time was coming up, and I thought it'd be great to end this podcast by asking AI AI to wrap up this podcast (laughs) for us. So hopefully this doesn't take away from the truth that that Tim just shared with us. But um, that is a wrap for today's episode of The Other Six Podcast. We hope that discussion on Psalm 51 has provided you with some inspiration and practical tools for incorporating faith into your daily life all seven days of the week. Man, AI is so good. It did it. It keeps going. (laughs) We hope that our brief conversation on artificial intelligence has sparked some curiosity and reflection on the impact of technology on our faith and our society as a whole. Remember, living out our faith is a continuous journey, and it's not always easy. But we believe that God, with God's help and the support of our community, we can strive towards a life of purpose, meaning, and, by golly, joy. Wow. <laughs> wow. Thank you for tuning into the Other Six Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review if you enjoyed this episode. And join us again next time as we continue exploring the intersection of faith and everyday life. That's great. <laughs> We couldn't say it any better. Thanks, AI. (laughs) All right, we'll see you guys again in a couple weeks. (laughs) 